Hello and welcome to Nolan Me, Nolan You, a brand new limited series podcast that celebrates the work of writing director Christopher Nolan. I'm your host, Emily Murray, and today I'm joined by journalist and film critic Cameron Frew to discuss Nolan's hit movie Batman Begins, the film which started the Dark Knight trilogy. Released in 2005, Batman Begins changed the future of superhero movies with its more grounded, darker and realistic take on the genre, something Nolan would build on with the sequels. The origin story follows Bruce Wayne as he becomes Batman and begins his fight to rid Gotham of crime and corruption. We discuss its impact on the superhero genre, horror imagery, practical effects versus CGI, and much more. But first, here's a clip. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but as a symbol, as a symbol, I can be incorruptible. I can be everlasting. What symbol? Something elemental, something terrifying. I assumed as you're taking on the underworld, this symbol is a persona to protect those you care about from reprisals. You're thinking about Rachel? Rachel, it's her. I was thinking of myself. Have you told anyone I'm coming back? I just couldn't figure. The legal ramifications of bringing you back from the dead. Dead? You've been gone seven years. You had me declared dead? Well, actually, it was Mr. Earl. He's taking the company public. He wanted to liquidate your majority shareholding. Those shares are worth quite a bit of money. Well, it's a good thing I left everything to you, then. Quite so, sir. And you can borrow the rolls if you like. Just bring it back with a full tank. Welcome, Cameron, to Nolan Me, Nolan You. How are you today? Uh, I am good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm okay, I'm okay. It's, yeah, been a tiring, strange day. It's been a tiring, strange year, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> I know, what is 2020? Yeah. But, um, just want to tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, okay, cool. Well, I'm a journalist at Unilad, so I, I write pretty much a little bit of everything that's trending, but I specialise in movie and entertainment stuff. And what was your sort of introduction to Chris Nolan? I understand you're a fan of the director. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Batman Begins came out when I was eight years old. Uh, but big, big movie for me and my family to go and see, because um, obviously at the time it was mm. a massive event, new Batman movie, obviously. Uh, from there, I, I guess, I can't remember like the specific tract of where um, I became a Christopher Nolan fan. I think Inception was a massive turning point, because I'd saw it on uh, the big... Odeon Leicester Square screen in London. Oh, that's cool. And yeah. I, rem- I remember it just blowing my socks off. Um, and it, just, it was just like a whole new world. At that time, at that age, I appreciate there's a whole world of cinema out there, as people love to say anytime you say <laughs> you love a Christopher Nolan movie. But um, yeah, Inception blew me away. And The Dark Knight was one of the first movies I went to see twice at the cinema as well. So yeah, um, absolutely love them. Don't get why anyone wouldn't. Yeah, I think like you, The Dark Knight was the first film I saw twice at the cinema too. But that was the movie that I like. I didn't see movies really before that, mainly because I'm I was scared of the dark as a kid and loud noises. And a cinema isn't yeah. the best environment for a child who's scared of the dark and loud noises. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, yeah, I I didn't see Batman Begins in the cinema, which I am very sad about now. I think about it. I think so. You were eight when you first saw it, and what was the impact impact on you as a kid? Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd grew up with my um, my dad's VHS tapes in the cupboard and he had the original Batman as mm. in the, the Tim Burton Batman 
Um, so I suppose I'd already had a sort of introduction to more darker aspects of Batman when I was from quite a young age. So whilst Batman Begins, which is a very dark movie in a lot of ways for, uh, for a 12A rating, um, is very dark and it's got Scarecrow and the visuals in that mm, regard are very scary. Yeah. Um, I was just, it was more like this sort of introduction into gritty superheroes, which I'd never really experienced at all, obviously, until that that point on my, my knowledge of superhero movies at the forefront of my imagination was X-Men and Spider-Man. Yeah. So um, ba- Batman Begins came along with this r- much more grounded uh, real-world take on on a hero, which I'd only really experienced through a Burton Gotham, which is just is also excellent but completely different. Um, so, yeah, it really blew me away at the time, really opened my eyes. Yeah, see, I have a completely different like viewpoint because I think Batman Begins is my first superhero film that I saw because I wanted to see A Dark Knight. I don't know why, because I hated going to the cinema, but I wanted to see A Dark Knight. And I think before that, the only superhero film I saw was Spider-Man 3 because I got it free in my serial. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's Come so on. And then... <laughs> But I remember my dad being like, before you see Dark Knight, you got to watch Batman Begins because obviously it's a sequel. So I think Batman Begins was my first decent superhero film. So I find it really interesting oh, watching that. That's and then going insane. Back, <laughs> <laughs> I know. But it's also, that's a good introduction. I mean, but I find it yeah. interesting going back then because then after that, I saw Tim Burton's Batman and you know Sam Raimi's Batman films and also the X-Men films. And it was very, I was like, this is this is different to Batman Begins and A Dark Knight. I don't think I realised at the time how much of an impact Batman Begins had in terms of a new era of superhero films. I think we always talk about how The Dark Knight, you know, it's a beast of a movie and always gets all this attention in terms of it's a game changer. But obviously that new era started with Batman Begins, I think. And I don't. I think it's a bit of a shame, really, that The Dark Knight is so so good that people kind of forget about how good batman begins is because it is an outstanding movie i don't know what you think yeah no no it definitely gets forgotten about and i'm willing to um concede that i often forget how good batman begins is because exactly like you said the dark knight is a monster of a movie um it's got Mm. everything in it Mm. it's got my personal favorite performance ever in heath ledger's joker um it's got so much in it that's just like it, it's it's really close to heat in a lot of ways um it's 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 just got so much extra stuff in it in the dark night which kind of elevates it not that standard superhero fare is bad or in any way below those movies but the dark night is like a prestige superhero movie um and then dark night rises i i think's brilliant but that's another thing altogether but batman but batman begins it's an interesting crossover from the Batman mm. of old, if we're going back to Tim Burton, into The Dark Knight. Because even The Dark Knight and, the Bat- and Batman Begins are radically different in a lot of ways. Uh, the Gotham in Batman Begins still has a little bit of gothic flair compared to The Dark Knight, which is even more grounded and even more real world. Um, mm. And yeah, I think it just kind of gets lost in the conversation because of the spectacle of The Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises and Batman Begins. It's a shame that it's forgotten because there's so much in it that's unbelievably mm-hmm. cool. That's just the crux of it. Like at the time, uh, you couldn't, you couldn't really. I, I just couldn't 
get a grab a grip on it at all. Yeah, never never really seen Batman like this before. I mean, his origin that that's like a complete completely different yeah. gravy altogether. Going up into the mountains and meeting Ken Watanabe's uh, seemingly Raz Al Ghul. All that stuff. There's the prison fight, the brawl, and the the muddy prison. Um, the training to become member of the League of Shadows. Like this is all stuff that I was a complete noob to. I mm. never ever heard of all this. And rewatching it uh, for this, I, I I almost had that same feeling again watching it. Like oh my god, I can't believe yeah. I can't believe how good this is and how how deep this goes into an area I had never really realized existed in Batman lore at all. And yeah, I, I do. I just think it's a, a complete shame because it really throws a lot of the wall and all, pretty much all of it sticks. No, I couldn't agree more. I think it lays a lot of groundwork for The Dark Knight. And I think because Batman Begins worked so well, one of have said Chris Nolan, like, just do what you want with The Dark Knight and just really throw those ideas out there. And I think people don't maybe appreciate enough how much it does build on Batman Begins. And as you said... Like, it's just a really, really good origin story. And, like, when I think about other origin tales, watching the scene there, you know, when he's in the mountains and he meets what is seemingly Ra's al Ghul, just really threw me back to, you know, a recent rewatch of Doctor Strange that I did. Because that literally, Mm -hmm. I was like, it's the same thing. (laughs) Like, Doctor Strange has simply just taken this story and just gone with it as well in terms of looking more at why Doctor Strange is Doctor Strange. And I think... I don't know, I think it's influence in terms of origin stories is so, like, obvious and it's so amazing. And I I don't think there's an origin story quite like it in the sense of how deep it goes into its character. And as you said before with Batman movies like Tim Burton's, I don't think they really properly analyse why Batman is Batman. Uh, no, 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 you're absolutely correct. I, th- I, It really does, it gives a very respectful and it's not, overreaching i don't think with its um what what like you said how, how bruce wayne is as a character and for example in batman vs superman uh later which all those movies you do not have without batman begins <laughs> i'd like to add like you, do, you don't have any of the, the dcu without batman begins um but in batman vs superman they take it a little bit further by showing the sort of violence batman inflicts on people with like the bat brands and stuff mm, like that yeah and I don't, I don't really vibe with that at all. Same. Whereas, and no. Batman Begins, you just get little touches of that side of Batman. Like at the first time you ever see Batman as Batman at the 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 shipyard, yeah, at the crates, the containers. That's that's terrifying, but it's just the right amount of terrifying. It play, it clearly shows how deranged you really do need to be <laughs> to be uh, a bat vigilante a millionaire playboy bat vigilante um but it doesn't go too far and there's so many quotes in batman begins which really take you inside why he does that mm. why why he does what he does what's it's one of the quotes um when he first goes into the mountains to meet Razal Ghul. He says um, he wants to seek the means to fight injustice, to turn fear against those who prey on the fearful. And I think that just perfectly sums it up uh, completely in a, in a way that I don't think pretty much any other incarnation of Batman really has. No, I, t- I totally um, agree. Yeah. I was reading about it um, this morning, about how you know, the writers David S. Goye and I think it's Goye or Goya <laughs> and Nolan wanted to sort of make both Batman and Bruce Wayne relatable and emotional and understand their psychology i get 
Bruce Wayne, why Bruce Wayne's Bruce Wayne and why Batman's Batman and how I suppose like even Bruce Wayne is kind of like an alter ego. You know, when um, Alfred tells him to go have fun and be a, you know, a playboy millionaire. I think that's really interesting as well. I suppose a separation of them brought us to relation. And I think obviously a lot of the story is Batman has to take down villains with Ralph Zogel and stuff. But the concentration is about you know, watching his parents die and wanting yeah. to kill the person who murdered his parents and his journey and his self-discovery. I think that is the focus. And that's something I don't really find in other superhero movies, the focus being on that character and that character only. It's by far the best Bruce Wayne movie, I think. I mean, Batman, um, Tim Burton's Batman with Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne is probably my favourite version of Bruce Wayne but in terms of a movie that does Bruce Wayne as a character justice and really gets into the psyche of what makes Bruce Wayne tick uh, I think Batman begins a second to none. Like like you said uh, the the people's Bruce Wayne is definitely an alter ego um, mm. because that's, a, that's a, a facade that someone he puts on when he takes brings these models and uh, high profile um, what what would probably now be influencers if it was filmed today with, uh, <laughs> to to parties and drives all the fancy cars. Whereas realistically, you can tell he's not really interested in that. Um, yeah. He's still he was still especially in the beginning of Batman Begins. Um, he's still that the boy who lost his mum and dad, and he's still trying to like recover and deal with that anger. Like he even says it um, to to Liam Neeson. He says, "My my anger outweighs my guilt." Like that is the crux mm. of the the emotional sort of atmosphere of Bruce Wayne throughout all of Batman Begins. And yeah, just again watching that and, and realising how much this movie actually does with Batman, um, especially now as, as, as a, a, a grown-up, a real boy, um, I probably... I probably got a lot more from it than I did when I was eight, and I still I still loved it when I was eight. I suppose it's like Pixar in a way. There's stuff to enjoy as an adult and stuff to enjoy as a kid, mm. which is which is great. I think yeah, what you said there as well about the facade. I think that that key scene at the end with Rachel saying, you know, your Bruce Wayne is the mask. That's not actually you. I think that's so key in terms of the character's development, especially going on to the Dark Knight as well. I do want to talk about the casting of Christian Bell because I think. It's a brilliant story, but I think he really has such a nuanced performance that brings to life Bruce, mm-hmm. Batman, and I suppose underneath Bruce as well. Obviously, like I said, when I was the age when I saw Batman Begins, I had no idea who Christian Bale was because I was a child. Um, I wasn't really familiar with him at all. Obviously, I hadn't seen American Psycho or anything like that at that age. Um, Looking back now as an adult, I think it's absolutely wild that he was casted. But um, obviously a, a decision for the better. Um, yeah, I think he yeah, he puts in a lot into his turn, which is obviously typical of Christian Bale. He d- doesn't really turn in bad performances or uh, um, undedicated performances in any sort of way. Um, yet nuanced is definitely the word. Um, he, he clearly has... He has the charisma of Batman as much as his voice is up for debate um, how effective it really is. I, I personally don't mind it, but I, I definitely understand why why some people think it's a bit a bit silly, maybe. Um, so he's got that side of it. He's got the ability to actually evoke fear, uh, not just in the criminals, but as a viewer, because when he like lifts people up into the sky and he steals people into the shadows, uh, that's, that's still a scary idea in my head. Um, 
he's got the the charisma needed to be Bruce Wayne and be that playboy, be that party goer, be that person, the host, the the smiling aristocrat, and then he's got everything else. He needs to be Bruce Wayne in in the the Batcave, and when he's just in the conversations with Albert, where he's clearly where he looks to Albert as like a father figure, like he's he's got everything in it, and I think that's again not something you really get in a a tremendous amount of superhero movies and again not to the detriment of them because not every superhero movie was wanted to be Batman Begins but um, this movie puts a lot of love into Bruce Wayne and I think Christian Bale really tapped into that uh, that aspect of the of the screenplay and it's obviously that's what made it shine even more at the time. No I totally agree it's such an emotional performance and I find myself really really caring for the character like I'm trying to think now of of a characters in superhero movies that i care so much about and the only one i can also think of is probably iron man but iron man has been like a safe one like 22 23 how many mcu movies there are yeah i know yeah. christian bell did this in just three i think the talent on screen is endless like gary oldman morgan freeman michael kane everyone's perfect but i just wanted to highlight liam Neeson, who is fantastic as well as our goal oh yeah i love i love liam neeson barring certain quotes of, of recent years and certain public appearances he's made which are let's just yeah. leave them leave them out of the minute um i i love liam neeson in this movie and he was one of my big takeaways when i watched the movie when i was younger because um as someone without any sort of knowledge of of any sort of batman lore altogether the the mm. twist you could say of him being Ra's al ghul at the party yeah, at the end when yeah. he comes back um absolutely dropped my jaw <laughs> same. I, I know i know everyone in my family felt the exact same because it's like a, a right a right oh my god moment <laughs> like I, can't, I can't believe i cannot believe this is where this has been heading this entire time and even looking back the cast the casted ken watanabe at the beginning who's like such a massive actor so good an actor um, as well so so and it's clearly clearly a massive casting decision to do that to really sidestep people who are more aware mm. of um that because if i watched it now fresh faced for the first time i would have just took that at face value because obviously i'm aware of who ken watanabe yeah. is so i would have just said oh well he, he, he was clearer as i'll go then that's fine um and I, yeah i think liam neeson is absolutely tremendous and he's given so many lines just to chew up enigmatically which is clearly <laughs> how he was pitched the movie which yeah you just can't get enough of that really also great facial hair tremendous facial hair <laughs> tremendous facial hair yeah i had no idea that razzle like because uh, i didn't haven't read i still haven't read batman comic books which is appalling because i probably should because <laughs> i'm such a massive fan of batman movies but i didn't know that twist was coming and i think Nolan cast very, very well, and he knew what he was doing when he cast Liam Neeson, who I think he always plays a sort of mentor figure, most obvious example being Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I dread that the prequels have now been mentioned (laughs) on this podcast, but it's it's true. It reminds me very much of Robin Williams in Insomnia. Like, nobody expected him to be playing a bad guy, and I think that's such a clever use of casting in helping deliver these twists. Yeah, yeah, well, completely. Yep, completely ca- casting against type. It's just it's just a, a classic example of that. Um, but I mean, when he when he's one of these villains, not that I think Liam Neeson's uh, Ra's al Ghul is right in any way or sensible. It's not. I don't, I'm not going to advocate <laughs> for the League of Shadows as cause. Um, but they're very tricksy with the writing of it, and you can understand the point where they're coming from. Like it speaks to. 
the whole idea of the League of Shadows is it's the quote when society reaches the pinnacle of dec- decadence, that's when they come in and basically hit the reboot button and put them back to a more sustainable, manageable, modest level. Like that that's something that people will, will mm. agree with in, in certain regards without the sort of catastrophic level which they are they are aspiring to by the end of Batman Begins. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting to do that with the villains because it obviously makes it complex motives like that make for far better movies rather than just bog standard end of the world <laughs> domination things. Like they, they operate in the dark because they want the world to have order. Um, and I think Liam Neeson is a front man for that. And his, as I say, amazingly enigmatic quotes throughout um, make it very interesting. Mm, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think, obviously, the way the villains are portrayed and the League of Shadows is very much part of that. This is a film set in the real world, which is literally Mm -hmm. what what Nolan set out to do. I think one thing we've discussed so far in previous podcast episodes is how clear Nolan's voice is in his movies. And I find even with this one, which you would think would be the one where his voice might get lost, I still find his direction and voice very clear. Do you think that's the case or not? I, I do. I do in most regards. Um, when I say most regards, it's absolutely not a negative. Um, you can definitely tell, like you said, this movie lays a lot of groundwork for The Dark Knight and you can see where he clearly establishes a very, very um, sturdy mm. visual language which he wants to use throughout The Dark Knight trilogy. Um, but Batman Begins, like I mentioned earlier, is is quite gothic and has a lot of more theatrical touches throughout it. I mean, it's like Razal Gul says, you you took my advice of the- theatricality a little too seriously. <laughs> it's got it's got lots of extra touches, like bringing bats as backup in one of the fights, and um, I mean, all the scenes pretty much involving the bats. There's like the, the there's just like the sort of transition scene right at the beginning where it makes a bat symbol in the sky out of bats. Yeah, um, yeah. it's got all these just. These these little bits, which make which I think is really good because that'll reel people in who are maybe a little bit hesitant to hop on the train of a, a real world grounded Batman, um, and it just kind of it's easing people into this different vision for Batman. But I don't think that's a case of Nolan's voice being absent. I think that's him making very very smart filmmaking decisions and bringing. Um, the Cape Crusader to the screen because he's obviously got a long, long literary history of um, very gothic storylines and lo- lots of um, theatrical things in, in all his stories. So um, at having just those little touches amongst more realistic takes on the material, like the Tumblr, the Batmobile, is just unlike any other Batmobile we've ever seen, but it's the coolest thing. <laughs> it's just a big, massive tank. Yeah, I think I think his voice definitely, definitely shines through and it was very clear that it was it, the the rest of the movies from that point if you look back it's, it's so obvious they were all going to be fantastic yeah yeah i completely agree and i think yeah as you said his voice comes through but also like his he's fascinated by neo-noir and this mm-hmm. is very sort of a neo-noir style which i really enjoy i think if he has a vision he just goes and achieves it and he's a very hands-on filmmaker i think we've talked before on the podcast about how he doesn't use a second unit, he doesn't use a monitor, he's always behind the camera, he's mm-hmm. very up close and personal with the actors of him. I was looking through like the book that comes to my Blu-ray set and there's like pictures of him in all this like gear, like trying out the flying scenes himself and you know he's very hands-on. And actors before have always commented saying that approach works so well. 
And I think here it really helps in terms of maybe helping them understand the emotion and I suppose connect with the characters. I mean, Chris Chris Nolan, he's always, you've seen in like the the behind the scenes films in a lot of his movies like Dunkirk and stuff like that. Um, He is, like I said, a very, very involved director. Um, Right in amongst it, clearly has a very vivid uh, vision for his movies and you hear people like who are more skeptical of Christopher Nolan movies um not saying they're necessarily boring but just saying they're obvious they're obvious like they're just obvious mainstream movies but they're not in any way whatsoever like um like you know (laughs) like Batman Begins yes looking back now and how popular dark takes on things are uh, Batman Begins may seem like an obvious success but um at the time it wasn't at all and it was it was a surprise and even the, t- the reviews don't necessarily speak to the legacy it spawned like mm. there was definitely critics who were, were unsure of Batman Begins like I read one I was looking at reviews before uh, coming on this podcast and there was one critic said it was uh, as Batman Begins goes it's a non-starter which is absolutely <laughs> a non-starter um, I know um <laughs> But uh, there's absolutely no part of Batman Begins which isn't in full creative control. Like, it's, it is all there. I don't get the vibe that any of it felt studio-manipulated at all. Um, it felt like Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan pitched this very solid, dark, new-age interpretation of Batman Begins for a modern audience, and all of it sort of came to fruition completely. It's the, the, but the main thing I think I took away watching it again was the horror stuff the scarecrow stuff yeah that scene on, on the horses in particular oh my god i remember watching i, I rewatched it last night and you know when he's on the horse and the yep. horse is like breathing fire and all it up like that's terrifying <laughs> i know i think it's really interesting because you don't i haven't really that's something in other christopher nolan movies i don't think i've ever mm. really seen like that that sort of imagery no, no not at all um obviously his other movies some of these movies have a lot of darker aspects and they play with different sort of imagery like for example interstellar has the the extra dimension mm. uh, at the end and um prestige has some very very interesting stuff with its illusions but um batman begins the scarecrow hel- uh, psychotropic hallucinogen as it's called <laughs> um the stuff they do with that is absolutely horrifying and i don't know how i didn't have nightmares about it when i when i watched it as an eight-year-old because even me watching it now the the stuff they do with the introduction to scarecrow is amazing and i don't know i just don't know how they got away with it i I don't know how they they got away with that in a mainstream movie absolutely mental so it is um but it's brilliant obviously because that that is how scarecrow should be Mm. scarecrow should be especially when you cast kelly murphy he's so good tremendous 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 actor um but looking at him back then it was obviously a bit different but looking at it doesn't immediately strike threatening <laughs> um he and he's not meant to be when you first meet him he's meant to seem like this sort of sniveling arkham asylum weirdo um but it's at every scene that follows him putting on that mask has a completely different tone to it because you're aware of what an a maniac yeah. he really is and the power he actually holds just and drugs uh, like it can it can make you trippy and make you completely gubbed like that um so yeah the, the horror stuff i think in terms of like christopher nolan's vision for it is just 
so fascinating and, and amazing that he managed to put that to the screen really, really effectively. Mm. And of course, the horror stuff is one of the only uses of CGI in the film. Like, there's much discussion of how much Nolan... It, he doesn't dislike CGI, but he tries to use it minimally in his movies. And of course, here, like, it works brilliantly with, you know, with the Scarecrow stuff. But I think I really enjoy his use of practical effects, you know, traditional stunt work and miniatures. I remember growing up, I was obsessed with watching... You know how DVDs always come with disc two special features. Go behind the scenes, and they always mm-hmm. go behind the scenes of Chris Corbold, yep. who's his special effects artist that he works with, looking at the miniatures. What do you think in terms of his sort of preference of practical effects rather than CGI? So I mean, like I absolutely love practical effects. I'm just I'm all about practical effects. I have no ill feelings mm. about CGI because people love to crap on CGI because. <laughs> In fairness, uh, there's in a lot of ways it is just used in such shocking abundance in some movies. Um, just And that's the only reason a lot of movies, mm. um, certainly the, the absolutely seemingly pointless big budget movies that somehow get made like Battleship and uh, Independence Day Resurgence are just basically built and pitched on the foundation of CGI, which is not what a movie should be. That's not what mm. CGI should be used for at all. So I don't think CGI is a bad thing. I don't think it's a detriment to cinema. But the way Christopher Nolan treats effects as an attitude i can really get on with as a viewer um because like you said uh, yeah. he only uses the visual effects or the particular the cgi i should say for uh, the horror stuff but the the amazing uh choreography pulls off of the tumbler and um just scenes of like batman flying through the sky and obviously the, the stunt work that goes into to stuff like that um yeah, it just makes it more vivid, it may, and that's what the whole experience is really going for. That his vision of this more lived-in, real-life Gotham wouldn't work with an abundance of uh, CGI trickery. It needs it needs that certain level of rawness because that's the whole sort of driving appeal of the Dark Knight trilogy is its rawness altogether. Really, hmm. no, I totally agree. I think, as like you, I don't have a problem with CGI. I think. It, it is overused in mainstream cinema like that that's not criticism of itself that's just a criticism of cinema in general yeah, i'm sick no, and tired of seeing huge cgi battles at the end of every single movie so it works like from the top of my head the portal scene in avengers endgame is one of the best scenes i've seen probably ever it's the best scene i'll ever see in my entire life i will go i will be on my deathbed and yeah. there's not a single scene i've seen that's better than <laughs> but anyway uh, yeah, I think I start crying before yeah. it even happens because I know how about how emotional it's going to be. And obviously that uses CGI and it's and it still has such an emotional effect, but it's really refreshing seeing a movie like Batman Begins, which doesn't rely on it as well. Like it I think you're right, I think using practical effects and these really cool gadgets and stuff do help with the whole grounded in reality aspect. And it doesn't feel like a comic book movie and I said it is obviously a comic book movie and I think it wears its heart and its sleeves in, in that respect but it's just a great movie full stop and maybe that is part of the fact it is grounded reality and you know it kind of feels a bit James Bondy. you know he's got the car he's got the girls he's got the gadgets James Bond is absolutely spot on I mean Lucius Fox is Q yeah that he he is Q um but obviously he's Morgan Freeman which is just <laughs> even better um and yeah all all the stuff with Lucius Fox in this movie I mean, he he is one of the unsung heroes of the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm. He is just he's always always a refreshing inclusion. And and Dark Knight Rises is a little bit different because it's also yeah. the city is 
completely toned down and all that sort of stuff. He doesn't really get the same role to play. But especially in Batman Begins, it's just all that. It has the cheeky uh, rapport <laughs> of a Bond movie uh, when, when Bruce Wayne is starting to kind of uh, learn about all the gadgets. Like when Bruce Wayne sees the tumbler for the first time in the corner. And he's like, oh, what's that? He's yeah. like, oh, no, you, you, you wouldn't want to know what that is. Like, you don't, you don't want that. Also, one of the best lines when he says, does it come in black? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, all that stuff is just classic. I mean, Christopher Nolan's a, a, a well-stated fan of Bond movies. And I <laughs> I do think yeah. that that shines through his Bruce Wayne in a lot of ways, especially in this Batman Begins. Uh, Dark Knight takes on a sort of different flavour because, uh, as we discussed, it's more crime movie than, than Bond. Um, but Batman Begins as Bruce Wayne is definitely, I think, uh, you could say it's like an alternate Bond, especially with Lucius Fox as, as, as a cue. Yeah. I suppose Alfred could be kind of like M, I don't know, in terms of yeah. like mentor. He looks after Bruce, patches him yeah. up you know, when he gets hurt. I think, yeah, it's just... It, as I said, it is still a comic book movie. I think there's no one knows that and runs with it but it is just a great movie and i like how it treats its character with like a lot of respect and also its Mm -hmm. audience too we have a lot of there's a lot of talk about how nolan makes art house blockbusters and they're cerebral and you you know i think you know just likes of inception you and memento you have to pay attention to understand it and that begins it's less cerebral in a sense of like you can just it is kind of like a popcorn movie in a way but I don't know, I still think it has respect for its audience and for the character. Oh yeah, exactly. No, I think you could definitely sit down with your mates and watch Batman Begins kind of mildly loosely and you would still get a lot of fun out of it because obviously the action scenes are absolutely tremendous. Um and yeah, you can just you can you can follow it without a huge dedicated amount of attention, but if you really are watching it and focusing on every emotional beat and mm. every little flourish of like you said Nolan, it's the thing to say that Nolan makes art house blockbusters. Those just extra little flourishes that he does put in throughout it, you do get a lot more out of the experience. And I think that's just a very, I mean, that's indicative of Christopher Nolan as a filmmaker. As you say, there's some films you really do need to pay attention to, but there's other ones where you can just go in for the ride and enjoy what what the the, the popcorn thrills he is clearly trying to sell. Um, and I don't really think you get many filmmakers like, like that, and, and certainly in the mainstream circuit, um, no, no. there's not a huge amount of people at, at his prof- level of profile uh, working like him. No, I totally agree. So what do you think in terms of like how The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises follow on from Batman Begins? Obviously, Elaine in the podcast will tackle these films separately, but I'm just keen to hear mm-hmm. what you think in terms of the trilogy like wrapped up as a whole. Okay, so, I mean, the trilogy is... I think they're all five-star movies, essentially. I think they're all brilliant in their completely own different ways. Um, I think, like we've we've said, Batman Begins is an absolutely tremendous origin story. Um, It's got the theatrical flourishes. It's got uh, the the darker, um, slightly more comic booky aspects, I suppose you could could say, about it to sort of bring Batman to the... a new Batman to the screen properly. Um, then Dark Knight is just... Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I get speechless thinking about Dark Knight because yeah. Dark Knight just really, really took my breath away at the time. Um, it's my it's my favourite of the three, which I'm sure many people will agree with. That's not mm. really a massive um, trend-setting opinion for anyone to have. <laughs> um, but 
the Dark Knight Rises is definitely the most controversial of, of the three. Um, I think the Dark Knight Rises is absolutely tremendous. Uh, it does again, it does more interesting things with Bruce Wayne, um, mm. not necessarily in a similar way to Batman Begins, but it puts a lot more thought and um, observation into a broken version of Bruce Wayne, like a completely broken version of Bruce Wayne. And I know that view and the handling of Bruce Wayne throughout Dark Knight Rises really kind of put people off at the time. Um, but I think it's brilliant. I think I think as a, as a trilogy, it's so well done. And yeah, I, I, I would happily watch through all three regularly. Like, I, I, anyone can pick apart issues. And not, like I'm sure not all three films are necessarily perfect. I mean, Dark Knight is as close to perfect as I think you're going to get. And uh, as a trilogy, I just think it's absolutely amazing, really. Um, nothing like it. No, no, I totally agree. I think I can kind of see why people might have issues with Dark Knight Rises, but I'm like, nah, it's a five-star movie. It, it, like These three films are my favourite films of all time. I'm looking forward to talking, especially about The Dark Knight. We've got um, Dan Jolin on, who was on set, and interviewed Heath Ledger and everyone, and I think it'd be really good to... I'm looking forward to taking a deep dive into that. Like, I'm so jealous that he yeah. was on set of that film. <laughs> like That's like a dream come true to be on set of a Nolan film. Are you quite um, looking forward to Tenet? whenever it comes out <laughs> <laughs> yes yes i mean obviously i am i don't trust a- anyone who says they aren't excited for tenet either doesn't know what tenet <laughs> is or they're clearly lying just because they want to seem aloof and cool and not on the nolan train because tenet sounds fantastic it's mm. got an absolutely amazing cast i look forward to nolan returning to that sort of more cerebral side of his storytelling which he clearly favors and that's yeah. like, clearly his shtick that's what he gets a kick out of and yeah, a tremendous, a, a huge, bombastic, big budget, cerebral, uh, time travel slash inversion thriller. Well, thank you for joining us today, Cameron. Uh, where can we see more of your work and find you on social media? Okay, cool. I mean, if you really want to follow me on Instagram, you might find pictures <laughs> of my dog. Um, Whiskey's my, oh, cute, though. So whis- yes, my dog is called Whiskey. <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, that's just stereotypical Scottishness, I suppose. Uh, I mean, just if you go to my Twitter, it's at frewfilm, F-R-E-W, film. Um, and you can see me tweeting all sorts of gibberish and nonsense and probably top 10 lists which some people find incessant but I love Um, and obviously you can see my work on Unilad Uh, I write lots of film reviews and film features and stuff like that and yeah that's pretty much it you should do a top 10 Nolan because I don't know if you've done that yet have you done that yet? (laughs) I did rank the Nolans a little while ago and I'm feared I, I'm too scared to post it now that I've got slightly more followers. <laughs> what, what was number to... one? I want to say uh, it's not one. a case of what's number one; it's the case of what's low. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, no, I'm intrigued now. You have Memento. To say. Oh, no. Uh, just... oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Yeah. It's not yeah. a good movie. <laughs> well, uh, I disagree. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. If you if you'd like to follow me on Twitter at Fruitfilm. So basically, follow Cameron for more bad film opinions. Like, <laughs> Memento is a bad movie. <laughs> it's Listen, true. I, like, like every good film person, I have a mixture of uh, good and bad opinions, and that's just the risk you need to take when you press that follow button. It's um, very true. But, uh, um, th- thank you for having me on. I love talking about Batman Begins and Nolan. It was a pleasure. And uh, thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you soon. That was me and Cameron Frew discussing Batman Begins. Join me for the next episode where I'll be joined by journalist and film critic Tom Percival to discuss their prestige. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter at NolanMeNolanYou and feel free to get in touch too with any feedback. See you next week!